Hello, and welcome to Some of the Answers with Jen and Jamie. This is the official podcast of Third Eye Family Solutions, where we help you find a new perspective that will empower you to live a life of your dreams. Each week, we explore topics that are designed to help you face the challenges that come with life. We don't have all of the answers, but we do have some of them. So join us as we share our thoughts, ideas, and advice to bring your ideal self into focus. Hello and happy Pride Month. It is June. It is Pride Month all month. I hope that you have had a chance to uh, have some celebration and some gathering with folks in your community. Uh, I know I had a great time at the Pride Festival last week here in Salt Lake City. And we have other events coming up as well. There's Pride Without Police coming up this weekend, I believe on Saturday. There's uh, all kinds of gatherings and, and celebrations throughout the month. So hope you get a chance to get out there with your community and enjoy. And in honor of Pride Month, today what I want to talk about is parenting transgender youth. Now, a lot of what I'm going to say is applicable regardless of who the transgender people in your community uh, and in your life are, but I am speaking specifically to parents. And so, you know, feel free to take this and map it on to other relationships as needed, if that applies to you. So what I want to do is kind of bust up a couple of myths around, um, around youth, around transgender community, around the reality of gender and sex uh, in our world. So the first myth I want to um, bust up is uh, something that uh, comes up quite often, which is a conversation of there's only two sexes and there's only two genders. And we have to start with the disclaimer that in our culture, we often interchange the words sex and gender, and they are two different things. Sex is a biological construct and gender is a social construct. What do I mean by that? Well, sex is literally in your DNA and your gender is how you express yourself in the world. But here's the kicker on that. Uh, there are not two sexes. Biologists have found a minimum of six so far. So most people, of course, are born um, as a male or female, right? We have an uh, XY male chromosome or we have an XX female chromosome. However, biologists have also identified that there are people born with only an X chromosome. There are people who are born with an XXY combination of chromosomes. There are people with, born with an XYY combination of chromosomes, and there are even people born with an XXXY chromosome. So there are, um, there, you know, there are, there is variety in, even in biological sex, right? And then we get into gender, which is its whole different conversation. And people say, well, there's only two genders. There's male and female, there's boy and girl. Well, when we say that, one thing to be aware of when you're saying that is that you're actually erasing a rich history of culture that exists beyond our current American ideal. Um, there are many cultures throughout history that have recognized and even embraced other gender variations, whether that be fluidity, whether that be the world of being transgender. Of course, they wouldn't have used that term. That's a modern term, right? Um, or, you know, whether it be a, a fluid or a non-binary sort of in the middle, a third gender, etc. So, uh, you know, watch yourself on that one because there's, you know, yes, in white American culture, we mostly talk about two genders, but there is a long history of there being more than that out there. So that's the first myth I wanted to bust up was that myth of, you know, there only being two sexes and two genders. Um, the second uh, thing I like to, to point out, kind of another um, 
myth, so to speak, to uh, to bust up here is when I have parents say to me, well, this whole transgender trend, and it's not just parents, I hear it on social media, I hear it from other people out in the world, it makes my skin crawl when I hear those words, I'll be honest with you, um, being transgender is not a trend. First of all, again, we have a long history of it. We have a long history of other cultures. Even in Eurocentric literature, there are references back into the 1600s and possibly even earlier of people um, transitioning and changing genders, even having forms of gender reassignment surgery, right? I read a book a while back that uh, the primary character was a transgender male. And in that book, he went through a breast removal procedure during the time of the Black Plague. And it was based on the actual history of how that operation was performed at that time. Obviously at that time, it was a very, very risky thing to do, right? Um, I'm sure there were probably many people who didn't live through it. Now the character in my book did, the character in my book was fictional, that's okay. Uh, you know, if they were performing that surgery, I'm sure it wasn't widely performed, but it was performed occasionally and some of the people had to have survived it. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have been doing it, right? Um, so it's not new and it's not a trend and people will add to that. Well, my child's only doing this, whether that is exploring gender, changing gender, gender, or identifying me as non-binary somewhere in the middle, you know, dealing with fluidity, whatever it is, because it's popular to do so. And I think that's another thing we really need to take out of our, our thought process, you know. It may be that it's more common to do so now, but it's certainly not popular. Ask any child you know, um, any sixth grader, any 10th grader who is anywhere on the transgender spectrum, hey, is this, does this make you really popular? And they're gonna be like, are you kidding me? No, I lost so many friends and so many people are mean to me and, you know, and my parents are angry and my brother doesn't understand and so many things, right? So, you know, it's not a trend. Let's please stop calling it that. It's not something your child's doing for attention or to become popular. Um, because honestly, the kind of attention it draws is usually not the kind of attention that most people would want. But I will also add to that and say, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, but also, you know, in professional opinion out there, it it's a healthy thing for children to be exploring gender, right? It is the job of children from the ages of about 12 until 20 or 20 whatever to go out into the world and explore further and further out and find out who they are. So your, your child, your teenager is not just exploring gender identity, they're exploring identity. Gender is a piece of our identity, but it's not the entirety of who we are. I mean, yes, I am a woman and yes, I identify as female, but it's certainly not all that I am. So I personally would rather have my children explore gender and come out on the other side with a, a, a true for themselves answer of who they are in the world than to simply take what was given to them at birth and run with it because, well, they told me I'm a boy, so I must be one especially if being a boy doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel comfortable. And, you know, disclosure for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, I have two non-binary children. One of them's 22 and one of them's 15. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about them in a moment. But, you know, with both of them, as they, as, as they uh, 
did the thinking for themselves as they sort of tried different things on. My 15-year-old tried on different names at school, right? And they ended up sticking, at least for the time being, with their, their birth name. My oldest did not. My oldest changed their name about six years ago or so. I think they were about 16 when they changed their name. Which leads me into the third thing, right? So when when I have parents say to me, well, I don't want to go along with this. I don't, I don't condone it or um, I don't want to encourage it or I'm afraid if I uh, you know, go along with this, it's just going to make it okay for my child to create this really hard path in life for themselves. I, I'm pretty brutal with parents about this. And one of the first things I will do is throw down the statistics. And here's some statistics, right? And there's, you know, there's different numbers out there. And of course, things are being updated all the time or whatever. But somewhere between 60 and 80% of transgender youth have serious suicidal thoughts before the age of 20. 60 to 80% have serious suicidal thoughts between the ages of 13 to 20. And, you know, there's even more, there's more, you know, children younger than that can often have suicidal thoughts as well. But that's, that's a, the bulk of them is in those teenage years, right? Which, of course, they would be because that's when their bodies are changing in ways that feel uncomfortable. I mean, they feel uncomfortable to all of us, right? Even as cisgender folks, it's not, puberty is not a comfortable thing. Um, but even more so to someone who is not feeling okay with the body that they have. Somewhere between 20 to 40% of transgender youth have at least one suicide attempt before the age of 20. And part of what we know is the number one thing that we can do that have our transgender youth feel supported and unconditionally loved is to use the name and pronouns that they choose. So really, you cut that suicide risk in more than half by honoring whatever it is your child says to you when they say, hey, I... Um, I'm, I, I don't want to be Sally. I really want to be John. And can you please call me he and a boy rather than she and a girl? Literally cutting suicide risk in more than in half by having different words come out of your mouth. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's worth it, right? Even if it feels uncomfortable, even if you're sitting and thinking, oh, but we named you after your great grandmother and she was the most important person in my life and, you know, all those sorts of things, right? Even if you make mistakes, we all make mistakes. When my child changed their name six, you know, six-ish years ago, you can bet there were times where I said so-and-so. I mean, such and such, right? Where I said he, I mean they. Of course I did that. You're going to make mistakes. You spend a certain amount of your child's life referring to them in a particular way, and then they say, Hey, will you, you know, call me something different here? You're gonna mess it up. But when you do mess it up, just correct yourself and move on. Don't don't make it about you. Don't say, John, I mean, Sally, sorry, this is really hard for me. You were just John for so long, and it's just really hard for me to remember. Don't do that, please. Just say, John, I mean, Sally, um, can you please get the dishes in the dishwasher, right? Because we're still just living life together. We're just living life with some different names and some different uh, different pronouns attached to the person you're talking to. So the last thing I want to say, I say the last thing, and then sometimes I'll say another thing. So we'll see if it's the last thing or not, right? But the last big thing that I know that I want to say is this. Uh, parents have said to me many times, and by the way, sometimes I'm the parents are my clients. Sometimes the children and teens are my clients. Sometimes I'm working with the whole family. So this can you know happen in a lot of different iterations. 
Um, fortunately, most of these harder conversations have happened one-on-one -on -one with parents, whether that's the, you know, they're not, maybe their child is my client, but they say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Or they send me an email or whatever. And parents will say something like, what did I do wrong? Or why is she doing this to me? And I really want to uh, remind you that this is not about you. I would be really surprised if there's a single human being out there, youth, adult, anywhere, you know, transgender, non-binary, where, wherever they're at, who, if you ask them the question, so how did, how did all this start for you? How, how did you, you know, begin to realize that the gender you've been assigned wasn't, wasn't really yours? And they would say, oh, I was sitting in my room one day and I was thinking, how can I really piss off my dad? Nobody did that. I promise you nobody did that, okay? Um, it is not easy to be a queer person in our world. It's a lot easier than it was. It's easier than it was 20 years ago and 40 years ago. You know, when I was in high school in the late 80s, um, there was a cheerleader who got outed as, I, I actually don't even remember if she identified as lesbian or bisexual, but she was kissing another girl, right? And it was a scandal, scandal. Now, we also had a gay male who was very popular and very well-known and very much out, and it was more expect accepted. So, you know, it's it's not like it's even when I was in high school, it was a lot harder, but it was also sometimes accepted by some people in some ways, right? It's still not easy. It's not. Our kids, our queer youth, our LGBTQIA plus youth, our transgender youth, our, you know, our uh, aromantic and asexual youth, they do not have an easy road to walk. So none of what's happening is about, is about you. And it impacts you. I get that it impacts you, right? When you have to go to church with your son who's now dressed as a daughter, and you have to explain to other people at church, oh no, that is John. John is just now going by Sally. And will you please call her her? That can be hard. I understand that. I really do. And so what I encourage you to do is to get yourself your own support, right? Uh, don't leave it on your child to be the only person that you walk through this with, or even your spouse, right? Find other people who have walked the same road you're walking. Find other people who have gone through these kinds of experiences. Find a support group for parents of transgender youth. Get in a Facebook group of parents of trans kids. I don't care, wherever you find the support, but talk to people who've been through similar situations, right? Talk to people who have gone to the family reunion for the first time with their child who has now transitioned or is you know, non-binary. Um, talk, to, talk to people who you know, know how to navigate things in your child's school, all of those kinds of things, right? You're not alone. And so I really encourage you to get your own support. Uh, you know, it's, it's okay if you go through a little grieving process. It's okay to do that. It really is. You know, some parents find this very easy to navigate from that perspective. Their child comes home and says, oh, I don't want to be a boy and a girl. I want to be a, gir a girl. And they go, okay, well, how can I help you with that? And it's, it's not hard for them, right? For other parents, it's a, it's a lot harder. And if it is difficult for you, just recognize that and get yourself the support you need. Because other than using names and pronouns, the other most important thing you can do for your child is show them unconditional love by being their ally.
And that means having the hard conversations. That means telling grandma and grandpa if your child's not ready to do that on their own or helping them tell grandma and grandpa if that's what they're requesting. It means going to the family reunion and correcting people over and over and over again. It means going to church. It means going to school community, you know, school potlucks with the PTA, wherever it is that you're going with your child and being the advocate who says, yes, Sally now goes by John. So I would, you know, really appreciate if you would help me make sure that people get that right. It's simple. I get that it's not easy. It can be really hard, but it, it can also be really simple. So get yourself whatever support you need. I know I've said that line like 10, 10 times now, right? But really get yourself the support you need so that you can be the support for your child because they need you. They need that support. Okay. Um, lastly, if you have any questions, if you have concerns, if you, you know, if you can't find yourself a community of support, please reach out to us. Our email and website are as always are attached with this podcast. We're help, happy to help you find resources for that. Um, and just know that you're not alone. Your kid's not alone either. Also find them as much support as they need. So if you have a transgender youth group, that's great to get them involved with that. Um, if they're having trouble navigating things with friends, do what you can to support there. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I hope that you feel safe and comfortable in being out, being an ally, being support. Um, and I, I do want to shout out to, you know, especially because I know a lot of people who listen to this do live in Utah. If you don't know who the Mama Dragons are, they are a group of Mormon moms who have um, all have kids on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. They've been there. They've walked this walk. They're a great support group. There's also Dad Dragons uh, affiliated with the same. So if you're a member of the LDS faith and that's a concern for you, that's a great group to reach out to. The Utah Pride Center, they have a support group for uh, parents of transgender youth and in circle has support groups for transgender youth and parents of transgender youth. So reach out to those organizations, um, fly, your fly your flag proudly if you can do so. And other than that, be well, and we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Some of the Answers. To learn more about Jen, Jamie, or Third Eye Family Solutions, log on to thirdeyefamilysolutions.com. That's third, T-H-I-R-D-I-E-Y-E, familysolutions.com. Some of the Answers podcasts can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and Podbean. This podcast is the property of Third Eye Family Solutions, copyright 2020, and the music is owned fully by Gabe Schwartz. Join us next time for some of the answers.